Today on Jesus, Sex, and Politics, we are going to dive into Indiana's abortion ban law that was just passed into law last week. We're going to give you the goods, the bads, and the uglies about this bill. Does it really ban abortion? And we got a special guest from Indiana's Northeast Right to Life, uh, the director, Zach Rogers, a good friend of mine. He's going to jump on the phone with us, and he's going to give us the rundown on what he thinks this bill will do to actually curb abortion in the great Hoosier state. You're not going to want to miss this episode. Here we go. Welcome to the Jesus Sex and Politics Podcast. I'm Micah. Nathan's not here today, but we're going to jump in and talk about all those things that scare you. All right. Well, hey, we are going to do a special uh, podcast here. I want to give you a rundown of Indiana's abortion ban law that was just signed into law uh, just last week by Governor Holcomb. And you may have seen the news articles around the nation. Indiana passes its first abortion ban uh, law of the nation. So um, there's some good things about it. There's some not so good things about it. And uh, we're going to have uh, my uh, good friend, Zach Rogers. He is the Indiana North Northeast Right to Life director, and he's going to be on the phone with us, giving us his his take on what this bill will actually do when it actually means stopping abortions. So uh, can it, will it, are we going to see loopholes like crazy? But I want to give you a rundown really quickly. Uh, my friend Ryan McCann over at the Indiana Family Institute put out a great email uh, about the good aspects of the bill and the bad aspects of the bill. So I just want to quickly go through those uh, for you and give you an idea of where this bill actually stands, what it's going to do. So the first thing is um, the bill is going to um, end 95% of abortions um, in, in, in its estimation. So we may not know this to be true, but 95% of abortions, the experts are saying this bill should hopefully uh, curb. Now, again, like I said, that's probably there's probably no way of knowing that. And it's probably a little bit of a high uh, guesstimate in my opinion, uh, just because I know how laws work and I know how people find every little loophole to get around the laws. But the uh, experts are saying 95% of abortions um, that occur annually in Indiana will no longer occur in our state. That's great. Um, the other aspects of this law that are good, uh, abortion clinics are no longer going to be licensed in the state of Indiana. Uh, therefore they won't be able to operate. If you want to have an abortion, you're going to have to go to a hospital or an outpatient surgical center, which is primarily typically owned by a hospital. Okay. So that just means you're not going to have Planned Parenthood pushing its, uh, abortion agenda. I mean, hospitals are going to, they're not really designed to push the abortion narrative. I mean, there's probably certainly doctors that will, but overall, that's a good thing. If we can shut down Planned Parenthood in the state of Indiana, that's great. Um, so another good thing is the statistical reporting on abortions um, in limited circumstances in which abortions will remain legal uh, will need to... Uh, uh, where abortions remain legal will need to happen each quarter rather than annually. So legislators will have a more current data uh, of what is actually occurring. So that the, basically what that means is they're going to have to report the abortions um, quarterly. And so legislators, if they're finding all these loopholes, they're, they can they can act quicker to to shut down some of these uh, loopholes and find the abuses of the of of the law. 
the medical licensing board uh, will be ordered to revoke the license of any physician uh, if he or she performs an illegal abortion. Now, that's important because these medical licensing boards we saw in 2020, 2021, they are not very, um, what's the word, uh, conservative. <laughs> They're not, they're very left leaning and they have an agenda themselves. And, you know, the, the Hippocratic oath, uh, do no harm. Uh, I think we saw that go out the window with a lot of these licensing boards when it's, when it came to the vaccine, it said, no, push the Biden agenda, push the liberal narrative. Everyone's getting vaccinated or else if you're a doctor and you're saying that, um, you're trying to give people medical exemptions, we're going to remove your licensing, uh, your license from you. I, I mean, I saw it firsthand. I mean, I was, I walked many people through, um, their religious exemptions and they were coming to me saying their doctor can't and won't write them a medical exemption because they're afraid of losing their license and they're getting threatened by the board. So this is good because it doesn't give the boards the parameters and uh, to be able to say, Hey, you decide boards. Um, it says, no, if this happens board, you have to reject their license. You, you don't have a choice. Um, so that's good. Um, and the last thing about this bill, that's good. The doctor could be charged with the level five felony, um, by the county prosecutor if he or she performs an illegal abortion. So there's going to be a lot on the line for doctors who want to try to, um, jump through, uh, some loopholes or, uh, abuse the, um, the system. So, it's just something for doctors to think about. If you're going to perform an abortion in Indiana, you better make sure that uh, you're dotting your I's and crossing your T's. And hopefully we can limit all the abortions in Indiana eventually. That's the goal. But some of the bad things about this bill are um, there are exceptions for the bill. So rape and incest up to 10 weeks post-fertilization. So this and the language is really vague. So that basically means anyone can come in and um, say, hey, I was raped and uh, there's no police report that's going to be required for ver so verification of that rape um, is almost impossible. That's a really big loophole. I mean, if somebody gets raped, don't you think we should file a police report? Uh, I think I think so. I mean, that seems like common sense, but but that's going to be one of the big loopholes. Uh, another thing about this bill that's not good: uh, it's unclear if any restrictions on abortions will apply to pregnancies started through IVF. All right. So again, this is not saying that IVF should be outlawed. Um, personally, I don't think it should be. I think IVF is the pursuit of life, not the, not the pursuit of death like abortion is. But um, this is IVF. Um, it's unclear. We don't know. Is it you know, on page 12, lines three and four of the bill, it states that the entire article um, does not apply to uh, IVF. So but it's vague. So this, you know, we're going to have to see how that plays out. Um, in addition to the exceptions of life of the mother, rape and incest, uh, the bill adds the exception of lethal fetal anomaly. So basically it means if they think that up to 20 weeks, if the fetus is going to have some lethal form of, uh, um, something happening to it in the, in the womb, you can kill it. Now, problem with these, many of these diagnoses are wrong, um, in, in my experience. And, and I, I think most doctors would say that I, I know many people who, uh, their parents were told when they were in the womb, Hey, your kid's going to come out, uh, with a lot of deformities. They probably won't live past, um, you know, a few months and, and they're alive and well and living years and years into the, into the future. So that's, um, not something I, I like about this bill. I, I think this is a, a piece of the bill that needs to be changed. Um, so anyway, the, another thing, although the bill allows for criminal prosecution 
of a doctor who performs an illegal abortion, if a county prosecutor fails to obey the law, there does not seem to be a remedy for prosecuting. The attorney general's office was not given prosecutorial power in this situation. So that basically means that if a prosecutor in the county doesn't want to enforce this law, there's not a whole lot we can do. And there was discussion down at the state house um, in the Senate's version of the bill. It gave the attorney general the right to come into a local uh, county and prosecute these um, these these prosecutors who aren't prosecuting. Um, now, this is not to say that there's not prosecutorial discretion. That's totally different than a prosecutor just saying, I'm not going to enforce the abortion law. You can have discretion as a prosecutor and say, well, this deserves it, this doesn't. That's totally fine. But this is this is for those prosecutors that are just blanket statements saying, hey, we're not going to do anything. But there's no there's no language now in the law. The House took that out of the bill. And uh, and so it's again, there's very uh, there's there's little teeth um, in this bill, there's, it's probably not going to uh, do much in the way of holding those prosecutors accountable if they don't want to enforce the law. So the final thing, uh, this one is, uh, it seems that if a minor who is seeking an abortion and claims to be pregnant as a result of rape or incest by a parent, guardian, or custodian can receive that abortion without informing the non-offending parent, circumventing Indiana's parental consent laws and judicial bypass system so basically you don't have to let your parents know or parent if if it's in the case of incest you can just go and so so parents who you know good parents they love their kids they can be kept totally in the dark when it comes to this this decision so that bypasses other indiana laws that we fought hard for to to get uh, parental consent so that no no minor can have an abortion without parents signing off on it so those are kind of the uh the the big uh, issues of the bill the goods the bads and the uglies of that bill will it end all abortion in indiana no probably not uh will it end 95 percent of all abortions in indiana i hope so uh, i'm a little skeptical but i do think it's going to make abortions a lot harder in indiana so without further ado we're going to jump in here and get our good friend zach rogers on the phone uh and get his take on what he thinks this bill is actually going to do all right, we're here with uh, my good friend, Zach Rogers. He is the Right to Life Northeast Indiana director, and it's an honor to have him on the show with us. Uh, he's calling in from up north and wanted to get his take on SB1 since we've been going through kind of the goods and the bads and the uglies of the bill. I uh, wanted to have him, just someone who's been fighting this fight for a long time, someone who's down at the state house lobbying for good pro-life legislation for years. Um, Zach, thanks for being on Jesus, Sex, and Politics podcast. What say you? What is this bill? Is it, is it something we should celebrate? Is it something that we should, you know, vote these guys out of office? Where do you stand on SB1? <laughs> well, first, Micah, let me say thanks so much for having me on. Uh, it really is an honor to be with you, and uh, I'm looking forward to our conversation. And like you mentioned with my role at Right to Life of Northeast Indiana, I have been down at the State House the last two weeks. I think I've put in something like 165 hours between the two weeks, uh, trying to craft as much as I could, try to influence as much as I could to make this the best bill we could get out. And, and I'll tell you what I've told some of our supporters. I think when you're looking at a post-row, post-dop world, we weren't going to say 
well, we've got to get something passed because something would be better than nothing. That is not what we subscribe to. We wanted to make sure we could get the most we could possibly get because I think it's a, it's a big chance to uh, get as much as we could, right? It was a gold medal Olympic game for the pro-life movement. And we wanted to make sure we could get as much as we possibly could. So with that, I think with SB1, you take a look at how much is in there that's good. And I think it's totally appropriate for people in the pro-life movement to take a minute or two and celebrate what I would argue is a monumental uh, shift towards valuing life from conception to natural death. That's good. Well, I I think that's probably what people wanted to hear because there have been a lot of voices in Indiana saying this is not good. But then you see on the front lines of the national news, Indiana passes the nation's first anti or uh, abortion ban in in the in the country and and you know you, if you're pro life right. you're like man that's awesome like praise god for that yep. but then you hear you know some other people who are maybe a little bit more they got their ear to the ground in Indiana and they say well this isn't really going to do anything like what's going on here and so mm-hmm. um so yeah tell me like what what do you what are you hearing what do you believe will happen do, will this actually root out abortions in Indiana or right. do you think or how much work do we have still left to do and could the left you know one of the things yeah. I worry about is the left could what if they take back the legislature sometime down the road not sure. you know it, right now it's just it's a it's a law it can always be overturned right like they could mm-hmm. they could come in and overturn it and uh, so do we do something like what Kansas tried to do which is to get a constitutional amendment but if that you know if that fails uh-huh. then you you got, you know, egg on your face. So where are you in all that? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it's, it's important to have, just like when we're talking about our faith perspective, it's important to have a healthy dose of fear when you're talking about how to function within this, this pro-life world. So, yeah, we have heard a number of folks on uh, both sides talking about this bill being good and being bad, right? Which is probably an indication that it's somewhere in between. Now, it did start off, let's start with that. It started off horrendously. SB1, when pushed in the Senate, was a really, really bad bill. Uh, We came out very strongly against it. And over the course of those two weeks, uh, piece by piece got got adjusted, got changed, and we believe that there's enough good in this bill that we have shifted the paradigm of what it means to be pro-life in Indiana. Now, having said that, Micah, there is a ton of stuff still to do. We're not even remotely close to being finished with what we need to get done. In similar fashion, uh, you know, we're going to have to protect that law and protect a number of the legislators that fought really hard to make that law happen. So I think it's naive to say the other side is going to say, oh, man, you guys got us. We give up. They're going to throw their hands up and give up. Like the other side's going to push back really hard. 
Yeah. And we saw that on the first day of special session with the pro-abortion rally or protest or whatever they were calling it from the ACLU and Planned Parenthood bussing people in over a thousand people chanting just awful and disgusting things in the state house. Uh, That, that other side man is going to be rabid from now until the end of time. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is crazy to think about. It's like, man, they, they love killing babies. I saw, you know, just, when I was down there, it was a, you know, I don't, I'm not saying this because I think the people are, are demons, but I am saying that they are influenced by demonic voices. I mean, it it was a spiritual battle when I was down there on those, on the pro abortion day, it was just, I mean, it was vile. I mean, it was just like a, there was just such a a filth that was coming out of their mouth. I mean, they were cussing at you when you walked by, they were spitting on you. They were, I mean, anything they could do, they were telling you know, telling people, you know, I'm going to, you know, rape you. So that way you have to have an abortion and then you're going to know what it's like. And, you know, it was very dark. Yeah. It was very dark, very heavy, very demonic. Like you said, like you could feel the spiritual battle all around you pretty much that entire day. I mean, they, I remember you were a group of people in some, uh, hymn singing and, they were they were surrounding the atrium on all three levels to try to drown out the hymns. I mean, it was just very very weird and awful and disgusting. So, well, and I you know for me, I kind of like that. It's always fun going into those battles. I mean, there's I remember uh, <laughs> yeah, it fires you up. It, it always has. It does, right? You know, it's like throw me in, and I just I mess with them. There was a there was a couple of ladies that said you can't have an opinion because you're not a woman. So I just played by their rules, and I just I identified as a woman in that moment. I said, well, you know what, good news, I, go. I identify as a woman, and and they didn't know what to do because they can't tell me I can't do that, right? Because you're allowed to identify whatever you want to identify in, and so. Uh, so you just kind of have to know their rules and play by their rules, and sometimes it, uh, it they don't know what to do. It kind of is like uh, it's a computer. It's like I don't I don't compute. I, if I tell him he can't do that, then I undermine the transgender movement. And if I tell him he can do that, then he has a right to have an opinion yep. on abortion. Uh, so, yep. so anyway, but darn painted into the corner. <laughs> but okay, so do you think that? Um, do, do you think that this bill, because it passed, the governor did sign it, it goes into law September 15th, they're saying 95% of abortions in Indiana are going to end under this new law. Do, I mean, right. do you think that will actually happen? Where, are you, where do you stand on the actual percentage of abortions? I mean, that's ultimately yeah. what we want to see come down. We want, we want it to get to zero, yep. but you know, where, where's it, where's it going to go? Yeah, you're right. We we ultimately want to see all abortions uh, just completely wiped out of the state of Indiana and wiped out across this country. Now, obviously, my role is largely focused on Northeast Indiana, right? So I'm I'm going to do as much good as I can do for the area in which I am uh, responsible for. I do think the 95 percent is is an accurate depiction of what we're prayerful and hopeful to see as the floor. And I think there's a number of reasons for that. And one of those reasons is the shift away and the removal of abortion clinics themselves. So it's 
September 15th rolls around and all abortion clinics are gone. They lose their license. They no longer can operate. Now, I recognize some people are going to say, well, it shifts over to hospitals. And I'll tell you why there's, in my opinion, some faulty logic in thinking that the hospitals are going to just automatically do all these abortions over and over and over again. So, so I think it's, it's fair to, se- to celebrate the fact that Whole Women's Health, which has been doing abortions illegally for years now, and Planned Parenthood, who uh, is doing a whole lot more awfulness than just abortions, at least we are ridding ourselves as a state from them doing the horrific acts that they've been doing. Yes, that's good. And I'll tell you the, yeah, and and the the shift to the hospitals. So there's life of the mother. I think we we want to talk about it in four different forms. There's life of the mother. There's rape. There's incest, and then there's lethal fetal anomaly. So life of the mother. We were supportive of them using that language only in the fact that at the end of the day, basically is a way to make them feel better about having an exception in there. Uh, we argue that, that life of the mother is actually a fake exception because either the mother is, either the baby is uh, viable in which you do a live birth or the baby is not viable. And if you are acting in a way to save the mom, and the baby dies, while that's horrendously tragic, it's not an abortion. Right, right. So what our education coordinator likes to ask the question in those instances, if you could save the baby, would you? Because if the answer is yes, and you're attempting to save the baby, knowing that it won't survive, then it's not an abortion. An abortion clinic never has the intent to save the baby. Their intent is to kill the baby. Yeah, that's right. So you take life of the mother off the table, so then you have rape and incest. Now, we as an organization are staunchly against the rape and incest exceptions. Uh, you know, they they made the change to just be 10 weeks, up to 10 weeks that that exception can be used. So it is going to be highly limited so I, I guess if you want to say there's a silver lining, that's it. But it's it's still not acceptable in our book. Yeah. Well, and I, I and then you throw in. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say to that point, um, we are punishing the child for the sins of the father. That's what I always go back to. Absolutely. I'm like, you know, how how is this just? Right? We should we should want justice in bad situations, not create more injustice and and I think that's, you know, to to your yep. point, that's why you just can't you can't carve out exceptions for that and, right. and as much as horrible of a situation that is, it's you're just creating more injustice. Yep. yep. So yeah, go go on. And we and we had a number of people that both were down there to testify and those that we were setting up meetings with legislators that either had been born out of rape, uh, had been raped and had an abortion, or had been raped and kept their child. And we told them to be as strong as they could in their wording of saying to those legislators, 
you look at me in the eye and you tell me that my life is not as valuable as anyone else's because of how I was conceived or because of how my child was conceived. So I, I think how the child's conceived, uh, we believe, should have zero bearing on the value. And so it is disappointing to have that in there. Now, we recognize it it just wasn't going to pass unless we had that, unless they had that in the, the bill. So, I mean, we can argue till we're blue in the face about whether or not, uh, you know, someone could have pushed harder, but the Senate amendment failed pretty spectacularly and the House amendment failed as well to strip it down to just life of the mother. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I was proud of uh, Senator Mike Young for making a stand the way that he did. He uh, he stepped away from the Republican caucus, said, you guys aren't being bold enough. Yeah. You're not. And he, you know, he really took one for the team. And, you know, his amendment was a good amendment, but had 18 senators yeah. that voted for it, 18 against it. And then you had 10, well, on the Republican side, and then you had 10 of the yeah. Democrats. They voted uh, against it. So it was 28 to 18. So it failed. But, yeah. but yeah, that was uh, the, your, to your point. Um, I think a lot of people maybe on that abolitionist side of things that are saying, no, we, we want to abolish abortion completely. They said, okay, fine, we'll let the bill die. And then, you know, the people on the other side of the issue or, or like on the, maybe just the, the right to life side are saying, well, then we don't get anything. And then, you know, and so right. it's a, it's it, you, we go back and forth when we have these battles within our own uh, life movement. And, you know, I, yep. I, someone told me the other day, I, th I think I was talking to my legislator. I can't remember um, if I think it was him that said it, but he said, you know, it's, you know, sometimes people say I want all or nothing, but in this abortion debate, he said, would you, would you not, if an orphanage was on fire, would you not run in and save as many kids mm. as you possibly could? Um, yeah. Or, if, if, example. yeah. And he said, he said, or if you would can't save them all, if you can't save, them all. save any? Right. He said, yep. you know, would, if you couldn't get them all, then why, don't run in and get any of them out. But maybe you could save one or two, but yep. nope, we can't get them all out. So we're just going to let those, we're going to let them all die. And I, and I, I thought that was a good yep. example that he used. And, and, you know, we've yep. got to do what we can do. And I've heard other people say, well, they're just going to go to Illinois. They're just going to go to Michigan. They're just going to go, you know, right. to California. Okay, fine. Well, you know what? That we can't control what Illinois does. We can't control, you know, what I yep. but we can control what we do and we should lead by example. Exactly. Yeah. That's right. And now the the other part that was really disheartening and one of the ones one of the issues that come January I'm going to be right back down at the state house uh, fighting for is the lethal fetal anomaly. And I don't know how how much you were following all of that, but uh, lethal fetal anomaly is typically considered for uh, disabilities or diseases where the child is not going to live past 90 days after birth. And even if that were the case, we actually would stand against it as an organization anyway. But you also have a couple of other factors in there, one being that some of the diseases they include in that are forms of trisomy, and some of those children are living 20, 25, 35 years past birth. Wow. So you can't call it lethal fetal anomaly if the child has the potential to live to 35 years old. Wow. 
and then you throw in the the concept that depending on which uh, study you believe, we've got two different studies that show fifty to eighty five percent of their first diagnosis of a lethal fetal anomaly are incorrect. Mm. Jeez. So, so if a woman goes in and has a fifty to eighty-five percent chance that they're wrong, but they have they push for an abortion right away, they could be aborting a child that is completely and totally healthy. So it's really, really sickening that we were not able to get that pulled out of this law. Well, that's a good uh, piece of information there. So now if you're listening to this, you kind of know where to go from here so you can petition your legislators to um, make this stronger. I mean, that's where, and to your point, Zach, the left is never going to stop on this issue. We will always have to fight. We're always going to have to defend it. The devil has been has been going after the innocent blood of children since the t- the dawn of time, and he wants to sn- uh, snuff out the, the, uh, the candle of life life as early as possible uh, within human beings. And so we go back to even to the, the age of the ancient Israelites. They were sacrificing their, their children, their babies on the altar of Moloch. And, and the devil, he just yep. deceived so many of God's people that way. And so we're going to have to fight this over and over again. So this is not this is not done. Continue to call your legislators. Get out and vote. That's the big thing. We're going to have to keep voting yeah. and getting good pro-life uh, defenders into office. And um, because again, the left the left's going to come. They're going to try to rip this out. They're going to try to win elections. Now, thankfully, and this is this is interesting. I felt like the Lord kind of showed me this the other day, uh, Zach. But um, you know we. We look at the Biden administration, uh, and I, and you're just like, oh my gosh, like what a disaster! You know what a dumpster fire that is. <laughs> and so, um, the you see you see what they're doing right now nationally. I mean, we're, we're high inflation, high gas prices. Uh, the world is less safe. China is getting stronger. Russia is getting stronger. You're, you know, the, all of this stuff is is happening, uh, and we're feeling the 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 pinch and the the squeeze as Americans. Well, the Lord kind of showed me. He said, he said, Mike, I, you know, I I brought in Donald Trump to office to give solid, three real pro life justices to sit on the bench so you could get that issue yep. back to the states, right? And then I felt like he said, and I put Joe Biden in. I allowed him to go into office because it will be a, uh, it'll be a hedge of protection around the state legislatures because. This, if Donald Trump was president, think of it this way, there's good, they were 2022 midterms could really have been bad for Republicans with this issue as hot as it is right now. But I think sure. the saving grace for the state legislatures, for Republicans around the nation, is that you have a federal government that is so inept, so incompetent, so destructive to the American way of life that. It doesn't matter if abortions raging in the states. There, people are still looking at it and they're saying this is terrible. Democrats don't know what they're yeah. doing. I'm voting Republicans, and I feel like that was just the Lord's way of saying, "Hey, I'm going to get rid of this scourge of abortion in America, but also in a way that it doesn't just get overturned again." You know, because think about it, if we if we outlawed abortion in Indiana and then we lost the midterms and just got you know shellacked, and Democrats take over in January in the state of Indiana, they're just going to overdo what whatever, you know, we just did and they're going to overturn it all. And, uh, and and so I, I thought about that and I felt like the Lord just kind of highlighted, he said, you know, the enemy thought they were winning 
with the Biden administration. But he said, he said, I allowed that to happen. And I'm going to use it as a hedge of protection so that Republicans, and, and it's not about Republican or Democrat. I, I don't like to use the word Republicans because I really feel like there's Republicans that are just as bad as Democrats out there. But it's, it's about godly, God-fearing, biblically aligned uh, representatives in, in, in office. And he said, he said, those I'm protecting those people so that they don't, that this does not come back on them. And the arrows that were going to be fired because of this aren't going to take them out. And, and so that, and then, and then, you know, imagine, you know, come two years from now, uh, you know, you get Donald Trump back in. So, and, if he runs again, which I think he's probably going to run again. And, you know, especially with what just happened down at Mar-a-Lago and the FBI raiding his, uh, his place of residence, I think he's definitely running again. I think he's ticked off. You just, you know, you just, you know, you just poke the bear. And so, uh, so now you're going to not only have abortion overturned, with Trump from the first term, you're going to get two terms of Trump. Potentially you're going to get him to codify things that he started, you know, back in 16, all while the state legislatures were insulated and protected during the, the, this, you know, hot contentious issue of abortion. I felt like it was just like, it's like, man, this is just playing out. Awesome. You know, so that way we don't see good pro-life legislators getting, you know, getting it handed to them. And then, you know, we've got short, short memories. I think two years from now, this abortion debate is still going to be raging, but it's not going to be as hot as it is right now. You know what I'm saying? So, um, right, right. And yeah. So anyway, I just thought that that was interesting. I, I'm, you know, again, that's, that's just kind of what I feel like, uh, could be happening behind the scenes. So. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's an interesting process that we're going through. And I think, when you're talking about Indiana versus what's happening at the federal level, it's easy to say, well, you know, California is going to do this. New York's going to do that. I think we need to look at what we can accomplish in the state of Indiana. And I think it's actually really, really big. I think this was the first step of many. And I think it was a giant first step. But I think there's so much more to do. And you hit the nail on the head that there are, with regards to the Republican versus Democrat, there were a number of Republicans that uh, let, let the party down, let the state down, and quite frankly, let babies and moms and communities and families down. And that's that's unacceptable. This abortion is never is never a solution to a problem. And if if someone you know we go back to I keep going back to the rape and incest uh, side of things because we had so many people, including uh, an incredible doctor, Dr. Christina Francis, who's president of the American Association of pro-life OBGYNs who was there to testify and share it is never medically relevant to do an abortion. When rape and incest occurs, it is, it's incredibly tragic. And for those of us that are guys, we can't fully understand what they're going through, but to, but to force a uh, woman to go through another traumatic event to replace a traumatic event. It's just not, that's not how that works. That's not how we treat patients. That's right. Yep. 
I uh, I love that. I think that's I think that's amazing, Zach. And I um I think that what we're seeing right now on this uh, this national debate is is uh, really uh, it's really the hand of the Lord moving. And so I, I appreciate yeah. what you doing what you're doing. Thanks for all you're doing, and um you know just continue fighting. Uh, the last thing I was going to say is is Northeast Indiana right to life. You know some of those Republicans. Are you guys thinking of ways to really hold them accountable and really get their um you know feet you know, held to the fire. Are you going to pull endorsements? Are you going to yeah. not endorse certain candidates? Where are you guys at on that? Yeah, I will, I will use the phrase that Indiana right to life, uh, CEO, Mike Victor said, all options are on the table. And I think that it's important to recognize that, uh, at the end of the day, it's not about us being buddy, buddy with any legislator and any political party. It's about us saving babies and protecting innocent life from conception to natural death. Mm. Yep, that's good. And so you, you mentioned earlier, you know, that other side is, is going to fight every day. Well, guess what? So am I every single day. <laughs> that's good, Zach. Well, Hey, we'll be praying for you. And uh, again, thanks for everything you do. Uh, if people want to um, help donate to the cause, um, how can they learn more about you and what you're doing? Yeah, ichooselife.org is our website. They can donate uh, there. They can also get involved. We'd, we'd love to have donations, but we'd love to have people actually get involved with the organization. We do a ton of education. We do training on how to speak uh, about the pro-life views, and we have a really cool fall banquet coming up in October with Tim Tebow being our keynote speaker, and I know that's creating a lot of buzz within the pro-life community. So ichooselife.org is the easiest way, and... Uh, get in touch with us any way shape or form okay sounds good well zach rogers from indiana's northeast right to life uh the director uh keep it up you're doing you're doing phenomenal work and uh thanks for being on jesus sex and politics and giving us the rundown of senate bill one uh in indiana which led to america's first uh abortion ban so uh hey we'll uh we'll be looking forward to uh seeing uh how this plays out in years to come but uh thanks for being on the show man Thanks, Micah. Absolutely. Hey, this is Nathan from Jesus, Sex, and Politics, and I just want to invite you to like us, subscribe, share us on whatever platform you're using to get this podcast. Mike and I have decided that we are terrible, terrible self-promoters, and uh, it's just our job to make sure that once in a while we do this. So here's my attempt. Like us, subscribe, share, and uh, get people interested and listening to Jesus, Sex, and Politics. That's good. All right. Well, you know, this has been Jesus, Sex, and Politics. As always, we're so glad you listened. Now go share it with all your friends, specifically your liberal friends, and tell them to come on over to the side of freedom, the side of light, the side of right. Come back. <laughs> this has been Jesus, Sex, and Politics. I'm Micah. And I'm Nathan. And we talk about all those things that are going to probably scare you. Did I just take your line? You did. Oh. Uh, but the world won't want to talk about them. <laughs> so we will. We'll see you next time.